0: Matthew chapter 6, I want to read the Lord's Prayer, and again, our focus this morning is going to be on the 6th petition, verse 13, but let's pray and then we'll read Scripture. Lord, do bless us now with Thy holy and matchless Word. Come, Father, in Christ, give us light, give us understanding, show us the way, teach us to pray. And give us all the motivations that we need to pray and to pray rightly. To pray to your glory, Lord, that you might be pleased to, as we pray according to your will, to, Lord, answer our prayers. And we pray this in the sweet name of Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Beginning at verse 9, I want to read. And Our Lord Jesus said, pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from evil for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen you may be seated Now, brothers and sisters, we are going to pick up where we left off last week, and that is looking at these presuppositions that help us pray this particular petition correctly. As we deal with this sixth petition and what what Jesus is teaching us to pray for, we need to understand that this petition is calling upon us to come and pray to God for Him to watch over us, for His protection, for His watch care over us, so that He might, by His power, for His own glory, and for our saving good, He would use His strength to overrule, to override, and to mitigate any temptation that we find ourselves in as Christians. Now you have to wonder, or at least consider, when you believe that God is all sovereign, and we believe the Bible teaches that clearly, that God is all sovereign, He is all powerful, He He created everything and He rules over everything, it would be at least... Reasonable to think, well, if God overrules everything and He overrides everything and He does all for His own glory, then my own sin must not be my fault. And some people want to blame God for their sin. Some people want to blame God for their temptations that they find themselves in. And so we need to understand that this petition does not teach us that God just throws us into temptation. In fact, the petition is, Lord, deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation. It's like, Lord, in your sovereign power, as you govern everything in this world, if, if you are pleased, keep us from temptation. Now, I addressed and dealt with a reason for that, and that was our proneness to sin. We are prone to sin. We are prone to find comfort, or at least some level or degree of familiarity with sin. Too much so, wouldn't you agree? That we are prone to it. And there are... Several verses we looked at last week and we can look at a few more now. In fact, let's look at a couple. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 19. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 19. That is, brothers and sisters, as believers... With a, As believers who experience an ongoing battle with our flesh. Sometimes we find it very comfortable to sin. And sometimes we find it very comfortable to step into sin for a season. And that's why our Lord is there to chastise us. We are asking our Lord in this petition to do what? Lead us not into temptation. Lord, You know our weaknesses. You know our failures. You know you know our inclinations to sin. However, if You choose to test us, if You choose to prove us through a temptation, do not leave us there, but deliver us from evil. Look at Psalm 19. Look at verse 13. Notice what the psalmist prays, or what the psalmist praises God for. Also, keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me, and then I will be blameless, and I shall be acquitted from great transgression. Here the psalmist is saying, Lord, keep me from those presumptuous sins. Lord, let not my sin have dominion over me. You know my weaknesses, Lord. You know my disposition. You know my struggles. Lord, I'm praying to you as my Father to keep me from those sins. However, Lord, if you choose in your sovereign grace and in your infinite wisdom, why he knows everything, and he knows all things intimately. And he is so wise. We just confessed that about him. But if you in your wisdom allow me to be tested and tried, do not let my sins have dominance over me. Let me learn from it. Deliver me. Don't let me rest and find a home in that sin. Let's look at another passage of Scripture, uh, Psalm 51. You could say that in Psalm 51, which is David's repentance psalm, here David is acknowledging not only his disposition to sin or his proneness to sin, but he acknowledges in Psalm 51 his inability to to restore himself. His inability to renew himself or his inability to, to get himself out of trouble. Now I want you to think about that. Our proneness to sin, but also our inability to overcome it. Look at Psalm 51 and verse 10. This is why David cries out to the Lord in prayer and says to the Lord, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Notice what David does here. David is confessing in this prayer his inability to overcome sin in and of himself. Lord, notice what he asked the Lord to do. Lord, you create in me a willing heart a clean heart what's the heart heart is the seat of desires lord you give me the desire to forsake sin and forsake this sin not just sin in general the sins that have found dominance over me david had become captive to the sin of lusts and deceit didn't he he has spent a season in groaning and moaning. He's suffering in his body. The psalmist tells us that he cried on his bed at night. That his whole body actually ached and felt like it was being crushed under the weight of his guilt. David is acknowledging, Lord, I am unable to fabricate the desire to repent. Lord, you create in me a clean heart, O oh God. You must do this. You must deliver me. I can't deliver myself. He says the same thing again in the second part of verse 10. Renew a steadfast spirit within me, Lord. Give me what I once possessed. Steadfastness. Give me what I once had. Faithfulness. Give me what I once enjoyed. Fellowship and faithfulness with you. Oh, don't cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Look in verse 11, brothers and sisters, for David, and I think for us, to be cast away, to be cast off by God is to never be delivered from the dominion of sin. Do you understand that? Finding great soulless comfort Enjoyment in sin, in David's mind, oh, the Lord has cast you off. Because where you should relish and enjoy the presence and fellowship of Almighty God who is holy and good and merciful and kind, you now have switched masters and you now seek to serve sin as your new master. David says, oh, don't cast me off. Don't forsake me. Don't leave me. Because if you leave me, I will be left in this dominion of sin. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing heart. He's he's repeating himself again. This this desire, this restore to me the joy of your salvation. Why? Because sin has robbed him of it. I guess it's a good a good time as any to make the comment or at least to bring out the point brothers and sisters a, a, a facet of temptation a facet of temptation is the the subtlety or the lie or the deception that why not do this free yourself be free right be free to enjoy your all your wishes. Be free to enjoy all your inclinations. Be free to enjoy all and every impulse that you have. Be free. You know, that's the, uh, we hear it today when we say, just be yourself. Just, you know, I'm myself no matter what. In one sense, that I don't care if you like it or not. I'm going to say what I want to say, I'm going to do what I want to do. If you don't like it, big deal. Well, that's that's satanic in one sense. First of all, we should only say the things that God wants us to say. And we certainly should only want to do the things God wants us to do. That He's freed us to do. That He's pleased for us to do, right? But yet, that's that lie. That's the subtlety. That's the craftiness of Satan in the temptation, right? Is say, look, liberate yourself. Enjoy your impulses. Don't govern your desires. Be free with them. Be open with them. I mean, that's, that's the lie that Satan promotes to us, and he does it in number of ways. And Jesus teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount, doesn't He? We can't serve two masters, can we? We can't, deserve, we can't serve the Lord of glory and then serve what? Our impulses of greed, right? Our, our impulses to materialism, we can't serve both masters. Because ultimately we will learn to love that one and hate the other. Turn to Romans 7. We will find here a vivid picture of this struggle that Paul had with the power of sin and the... Inability of the law to do anything about it. Paul here teaches us that the law cannot deliver anyone from the dominion of sin. That only Jesus can do that. So look at Romans 7 and look at verse 23. He says, but I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God. And on the other, with my flesh, the law of sin. Now the Westminster Fathers use this proof text to demonstrate we do not have the ability to overcome the dominion of sin. We don't have the ability in and of ourselves to overcome sin. And when we as believers, brothers and sisters... Or uh, you know, walk into that environment of temptation and sin. We find way we sometimes we're way too comfortable with it. We're way too comfortable with it. And so this petition is to encourage us to pray for our God, who is all sovereign. And all powerful, who manages and watches over his creation, that he would come to us and he, he would overrule and override these temptations for his glory and our good. That he knows us intimately, and that he knows what will destroy us, and he knows how to watch over his children, and how to only allow those things to chasten and buffet us that will be a benefit. To us, But listen, brothers and sisters, if He doesn't deliver us in that sin, we won't be delivered because we'll never seek deliverance from it apart from Him. We may, we may seek to get out of the responsibility of it. We may seek to get out from the guilt of it, but we will never seek to truly forsake the sin unless God is working in us to turn our backs on it and to flee to Him. Let's look at Uh, let's look at James chapter 1 and kind of put a proof text there. Hebrews, James. um, James chapter 1. Because again, here's a group of Christians struggling with some serious afflictions and James did not want them to say it was God that was... Tempting them to sin. It was God's fault they were sinning. It was God who was causing them to make bad choices and to do sinful things. And James goes, wait a minute. That's not the case. That is not the truth. You are deceiving yourselves. Notice what he says. Look at verse 7. It says, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved... He will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now you see a great motivation to be faithful. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one, now notice this verse in the following. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lusts where does that temptation come from not from god god may allow us to be tested but where does the temptation arise from in us what is that temptation think about it this way a test god gives us a test What's the test for? It's to prove us. It's to approve us. It's to demonstrate the integrity of our faith. Okay? That we would be tried in order that we would have the integrity of our faith tested so that we could see where we are in the, in the relationship of our sanctification. The things we lack. We see that we don't love God as much as we thought we did. Or we don't really know the word in order to counter the temptation as much as we thought we did. That is, we take a lot for granted, don't we? Notice what David said in Psalms 19 again, right? Do keep me from the presumptuous sins. So God allows us to be tested for our sake. So that we might see whether we're true or false. And if we are true, where we are on the scale of maturity and completeness and faithfulness. So that we might what? Know how to pray. And pray even more fervently than we have in the past. That is, there are seasons in life where we ought to spend great amount of times in prayer. Prayer. Because we need it. We need it. It comes from within. A temptation is the response to the testing that seeks to be liberated from the sovereignty of God. Temptation is that expression of our own lust and desires in a way that facilitates distrust... Remember what Satan did with Eve? Did God really say? You know, she tried to counter Satan with, well, God said we are not to eat from this tree of the garden or what? And not even touch it. And then Satan just replied subtly, right? a well, 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 did God really say that? Did he really mean that when he said those words? Is that what he meant? And her heart began at that moment to distrust the word of God. Maybe I can't trust him. Maybe he is not telling me the truth. Maybe he doesn't have my best interest. Maybe he is keeping something from me. I mean, look, you run the gamut, right? Your mind and heart begin to what? Distrust God you you begin to question his wisdom we confess god is all wise infinitely wise infinitely holy infinitely just and yet what do we do when we when we find ourselves in this environment of testing and our hearts begin to what distrust god begins to question god's wisdom i mean notice notice even in the sermon on the mount right after the lord's prayer the lord jesus says don't be anxious about tomorrow, for your heavenly Father knows what you need. Don't be anxious over what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat. Your heavenly, does, does not your heavenly Father know how to give good gifts to his children? So there's a temptation. There's the the circumstances that we find ourselves in that cause us to question God's wisdom. Does God really know what we need? I think we need this. And we become so fixated on what we think we launch down this trail and we spend this season in darkness and rebellion against God. All because... We failed the test. And we launched into the temptation because of our own hearts are so antithetical to God and His righteousness and His authority and His commandments. James goes on and he talks about the sin coming up in us. We're enticed by our own lust. Let me just read that next verse and we'll move on he says then when lust has conceived it gives birth to sin and when sin is accomplished it brings forth death james gives us a very graphic picture of the process doesn't he the temptation begins in our own desires our own wants we don't want to obey god We don't want to follow it. It's too hard. It's too difficult. I don't get, you know, it could be hatred. It could be revenge. Remember Jesus dealt with that on the Sermon on the Mount? He dealt with lust of the heart versus, you know, the Pharisees had deceived themselves, right? Well, it's not adultery unless you touch and participate. And Jesus says, well, I tell you this, a man looking upon a woman and lusting in his heart, he's committed adultery. Now, it's not in the same degree, but it is the same sin. We are prone. One more verse. Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 133. Now this is, I, I, again, these verses here are the essence of the petition itself. Psalm 119, verse 133. Established my footsteps in your word, and do not let iniquity have dominion over me. All right, that's what we're asking God to do. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but what? establish us in your word. But if you do, try us. You do tempt us. Or you do allow us to be tempted. To try our the integrity of our faith. The, 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 the reality of our profession of faith. Don't keep us there. Deliver us. Deliver us from the evil. Deliver us from that dominion. Lord, because we can't deliver ourselves. Again. Do not let any iniquity have dominion over me. All right. Let's go now to the second presupposition I spoke of last week, and that is this petition presupposes that we are in danger. We're in danger. And how are we in danger? Well, we're in danger because of those around us that would provoke us to sin. Provoke us to sin. Now, Satan is a great provoker, isn't he? The, all of, Listen, the whole goal of temptation is your apostasy of the faith. Question God. Question his goodness. Question his word. Question all of his promises. Question eternal life. Adopt the world's philosophy that all I have is right now. All I have is today. I'm going to live to the fullest right now, no matter what, because all we have is this life. Grab it to the fullest, or what is it? The gusto. Live to the, the, the gusto of life. I'm going to just live to the fullest. I'm going to throw all inhibitions to the wind. That's satanic. It's it's a worldly and damnable philosophy of life. But yet that's exactly where Satan wants everyone to be. And he wants everyone to go. The whole purpose of a temptation is to destroy your faith. It's to destroy you. It's to render you useless. Uh, It's to render you, brothers and sisters, depressed. To render you Completely uh, uh, just without any hope, without any encouragement, and without any use for God whatsoever. That's his goal. Now, temptation comes in many shapes and sizes and many forms. We know that we can have temptation rising up within us. All right, we know. We have looked at James. James tells us that there is a, a war within, all right? So temptations come from within and they come from without. Now, what are those temptations that come from without? Satan and the world. Satan and the world. Look at, look at the book of Revelation. Turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 2. Satan is a real enemy of the church of God. He's a real enemy of yours. He does not seek your good. He will never seek your good. He only seeks your destruction. He seeks the destruction of your faith. He seeks the destruction of any, any satisfaction, Desire, pleasing desire of God, he seeks to destroy every bit of that. He seeks to destroy marriages. He seeks to destroy parent and child relationships. I mean, he has done a fantastic job of that in America. Fantastic job in America with feminism, destroying the husband and wife relationship, the oneness flesh relationship. He's destroyed the... The whole dynamic of parent child relationships with the philosophy of education that's been going on in this country now for 50 years. That's Satan's goal. But he is a great enemy. Look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. I'm going to read the whole thing. It says that the angel of the Lord in Samaria, right, the first and the last who was dead and has. Come to life says this. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you were rich. And the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Verse 10 is the verse. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested. And you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Now we see, here is a test that God is allowing His people to go into to test their faith, the integrity of their faith, whether, they're, whether it's real or not. And the test is fear. The fear of death. Will you fear death, or do you believe God has the power over death? Death. Do you fear what's beyond in the next life or do you know that God is waiting for you on the other side of death to receive you into His presence? That's great. Listen, brothers and sisters, fear is a tremendous temptation for a lot of people. When we fear something, when we respond in fear to some circumstance instead of faith, We have opened ourselves up to the temptation of the devil. And that means fear becomes a motivating contributor to the decisions we would make. If I fear losing my life, if I don't recant the faith, if I don't um, deny Jesus Christ as Savior, if I fear death, more than I fear the blessed God of glory, then I'm going to turn from that opportunity to give my life as a testimony of His promise and grace and say, no, Jesus is no longer my Savior. I don't have Him as Lord. Caesar is Savior. The government is Savior. He is my God. And you're going to turn from God. Then that's apostasy. Men have done this before. We have testimony of the Reformation of men recanting and denying Jesus Christ to the authorities that would have them burned at the stake to only come back later and go, oh, I wish I'd have never done that. And to see it as a privilege to die for the name of Christ later on. Now Satan is a real enemy. In fact, turn to um, uh, Thessalonians. Turn to 1 Thessalonians. Let me show you another passage there. 1 Thessalonians 2. So Satan can, can um, bring great persecution against the church in order that the church would be tested by it and be tempted in fear to respond in fear instead of faith but he also hinders the ministry of the church look at chapter 2 verse 18 paul writes he says for we wanted to come to you i paul more than once yet satan hindered us here paul is acknowledging that satan is a very active foe against the church and against the ministry of the word and against the ministry of the apostles you know, when you see the word of God being diminished and you see the word of God being removed, you see preachers being removed. You see churches closing down, um, like in particularly in Europe, where churches are now bars. Churches that once preached the gospel are now nightclubs and bars or are, are mosques, um, mosques. Mosque, places where where Islam those who believe in Islam gather are no longer churches of the gospel the light's been removed the light's no longer there Satan is the culprit of that he hinders the preaching of the gospel he hinders the forwarding of truth he doesn't want it he doesn't want it what makes Satan so dangerous? he's subtle he's crafty brothers and sisters and he's stronger than any of you stronger than me he's stronger than all of us collectively he's he's craftier than we are he is more subtle than we are the whole purpose of the first 11 chapters of genesis is to prove to us that man is no match for satan and his temptations that it's only in God in Christ that we have any ability to stand and be sustained that's why the Lord Jesus said I am the life and I am the everlasting life all who come to me right all I'm the door I'm the way this is the way you go you can't do it In and of yourself. There's no possible way that you can do this. Matthew 13, verse 19. Jesus gives the the interpretation of the parable of the sower. And Jesus even tells us that when the gospel is preached, when the gospel of, of our Lord Jesus is preached, when the Bible is taught, Satan is waiting to snatch away the truth from some of you. He waits, he lurks, he uses his subtlety, he uses his craftiness to do what? To doubt what you've just listened to. To question it. Or to say, you know what? I that's good for others, but you know, not so much for me. I'm different. I'm different. They need this. I don't. I know it's proved um, you know, to be a failure to others, but hey, how many of us have convinced ourselves well, we're not like these other sinners? That's Satan lying to you and you believe in it. You're believing it. When, when Jesus uses the word snatches, it's forceful. It's a violent term. Satan comes and he rips it out of your hand. It's the idea that in some degree you want to hold on to it. But Satan is not going to let you do that. He's going to come and he is going to snatch it violently from you with lies and deception. Sometimes with fear. You believe that? You're not welcome here. If you believe these things, you can't be my friend. You can't hang out with us. These are the things. How does the world... So we see Satan is our formidable uh, enemy. What about the world? Well, the world, brothers and sisters, that, that system of philosophy and doctrine that's antithetical to God in every way. False religion. What did Jesus teach us in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 7? Look, look at chapter 7. in the close of the Sermon on the Mount, notice what Jesus says in verse 15. He tells His disciples, He says, Well, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. Inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes or figs, from thistles are they. And every good tree that bears good fruit but bad trees bear but a bad tree bears bad fruit a good tree cannot produce bad fruit nor can a bad tree produce good fruit every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire so then you will know them by their fruits not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. I mean, Jesus talks about beware of false teachers. Beware of false religions. Beware of systems of religion that supports your flesh self-righteousness. Your arrogance. Your pride. Beware of those philosophies of religion that promote an unhealthy self-esteem. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's biblical. To desire your own good and well-being is biblical. But when you fail to translate that same desire you have for yourself to your own brothers and sisters, that is not biblical. That's why we don't rejoice when our neighbors have job promotions or new cars or great things happen to them. Because we are in our hearts envious and greedy and arrogant and prideful if it can't happen to me I shall not rejoice in it though I may act like it which is hypocritical that's hypocrisy the world is full of adulteries the world is full of adulteries what? spiritual adulteries why the whole world wants oh yeah you can claim the name of God but don't serve him And they teach us all kinds of falsehoods about God. The number one falsehood that prevails in American churches is this idea that I can profess the name of Jesus and live any way I want to, and I'm okay. Because He loves me. And He would never judge me. And that's why the church in America and other places hate the doctrine of judgment. Hate it. We see the harlot in Proverbs 5 using seductive language I mean it's like a picture of the world right seducing with language seducing with the way she looks the what, what picture does the world paint for us that we can serve self and have the best life now serve self I mean look hey, hey young people this is, this is when you say this is when you know you have fallen into the temptation of the world. Well, everybody else is doing it. Everybody else is. Those, my, other Christ, my other Christian friends, they're doing this thing, so it must be okay. That's the world. The world gives us this picture, like the psalmist in Psalm 73, that the world has no problems, that everything is going their way. Hey, their parents let them do whatever they want. No. And if they do, shame on them. I mean, what reasonable parent would let a young person with all of the inexperience of life do whatever they want? Does that even make sense? Talk about playing with fire. It's the world, young people. And the world is alluring. That's why the proverb father says, when, you, when, they, when your friends come and say, hey, let us go make great gain. Let us go and lie and wait and take what something belongs to somebody. Oh, when you are enticed and drawn away by their promise of what? Success and money. I mean, look at the three vices that America is eating up with. Sex, money, right? Sex and money rule the day. Materialism, comfort. I mean, you can do anything to us, but Lord, let us have all the sex we want. Let us at least have some show of uh, you know, money to do you know, other, spend on our vices. And hey, let us, ha- let us at least have the appearance that we have something. Right? And then you can do anything to us. The problem is, brothers and sisters, what I'm getting to show you, this prayer, this petition, we know we haven't ever... There's, there's all these ways which we can pre, be provoked to sin and, our, and, and to be tempted. And our motivation is to call upon God regularly to say, Lord, do not lead us into temptation." You know my, you know I'm a I'm a great, gregarious person. You know I like to be around people and sometimes I make the bad choices of friends. Or sometimes I don't want to be around the right people. Lord, keep me from this. Keep me from sin. But if you do test me, Lord, and I do sin, Lord, don't leave me there. Overrule. Override. Use it to train me and to teach me in holiness and righteousness. Use it to draw me to love you even more. Lord, I pray that you would overrule and override the evil in my life. Let not sin have dominion over me. Let's move on to our third presupposition, and that is our protecting father who are we praying to our father our heavenly father why should we pray to our heavenly father because he is the one who has the power to overcome sin he's the one who can deliver us from evil he is the one who can keep us from temptation isn't he And we want God to exercise His glory and power in the earth. We want Him to keep us from temptation. But if He chooses to allow us to be tempted so that we might know ourselves better, we ask Him to mitigate it. Lord, don't leave us to the full power of sin. I'm not strong enough. Let's look at several passages of Scripture. Turn to 1 Corinthians 10.13. No temptation has overtaken you but such as is common to man. And God, who is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, and with temptation will provide a way of escape so that you will be able to endure it. Notice God is faithful. Lord, be faithful. Don't allow me to be tempted beyond what I am able to bear and what will keep me from, your, from enjoying Your presence and communion. Let not sin have dominion over me. As, as David prayed in Psalm 51, Restore me. Restore me. 2 Corinthians. Turn to 2 Corinthians. Thirteen. This is our last, last um, passage for this morning. 2 Corinthians 13. Verse 12. Back up a passage. I want you to see that when God, as our God, as our God who is all-sovereign, all-powerful, All glorious, all good, all wise. Brothers and sisters, if he leaves, if he allows us to be tempted, we ought to seek him for our deliverance. We ought to turn. We ought to pray that he would cause us to turn from our sin and to flee to him. Look at what Paul says. Paul is speaking of this truth in 2 Corinthians 12. Look at verse 7. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. For this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan, to torment me and to keep me from exalting myself. Now I want you to understand, you got to wrestle with this. What does Paul say? In order for me to keep from exalting myself, But becoming prideful and arrogant, what did the Lord do? The Lord allowed for a messenger of Satan to come to Paul and to torment him. Paul says, My sovereign God did it for my good. This is maturity, brothers and sisters. God allowed this to happen to me for my good. So that I would not exalt myself. Look at verse 8. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that, I, that it might leave me. And He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. That's our response. Lord, if you let this... Sin, have dominion over me. Teach me how to desire and relish and glory in my weakness and in your strength. What does he say? What does he say? He says that I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. That's the mentality of a believer who understands this petition. Brothers and sisters, 2 Corinthians 13, Paul says this, verse 5, Test yourselves, see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you unless, unless indeed you fail the test? Lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil. Brothers and sisters. You have been tested. You will be tested. Will you trust in the strength of God. And glory in your own weaknesses. Or will you, will you try in your flesh. To fight against sin. And only by doing so. Become more a slave to sin. When you do that. The only way to be delivered. Is by God's strength and grace. We need to learn how to pray and pray rightly. Let us do that. Let's pray.